Hello. This is a recorded message from your suicide prevention phone. Now, first of all, why not stop, take a deep breath, and think for a minute, can things really be all that bad? Sure, the road of life can be pretty bumpy sometimes, but isn't that just part and parcel of that rich tapestry we call living? You know, a wise man once said, today is the first day of the rest of your life. And remarkable as it may seem in our wacky way out world, these words are still as relevant as ever. No better illustration of this can be found than in Charles Schultz's delightful comic strip, Peanuts. What's the matter, Linus is seen asking a dejected Charlie Brown in the first panel. It's this darn old baseball team, Charlie replies. We haven't won a game all season. Lucy, who has overheard the preceding exchange, bursts into derisive giggles. Whereupon Snoopy, sporting a catcher's mask and a typically wry expression, strides resolutely back to the plate and signals strike four. <laughs> well, I hope you enjoyed that one as much as I did. something fucking inspiring. Oh, hello everybody and welcome to a very special Pop Culture Club podcast here. Happy Labor Day weekend everybody. This is the week of September 8th, 2015. Um yeah, this is indeed something unique that you're about to um digest into your earbuds. I am bringing you a cornucopia, a piñata of treats for you here. It mostly consists of music, but as you heard at the top there, I'm quite the fan of weird, absurdist comedy, as you may have heard uh, in the David Wayne episode. Uh, thanks again to Corey Pierce, that was a good conversation we had about uh, comedy. Um, so I wanted to follow it up a little bit here with uh, a Pop Culture Club episode. Um, I would be remiss in not mentioning um, an interest of mine that has kind of gone under the radar since I've started Director's Club. But, um, yeah, it's, it essentially consists of, of uh, a project that appeared around the same time I got into podcasting, maybe in, a, maybe in 2005 or so. It's a project known as the 365 Days Project, which I believe had an affiliation with WFMU, if I'm not mistaken. Mistaken? Um, so yeah, this project formulated on the internet and consisted of collectors, I guess, and music nerds of sorts sharing strange oddities and hidden treasures that they've uncovered in thrift shops, flea markets, uh, garage sales, and maybe even in their grandparents' attics. Who knows? Um, since I work in a thrift shop, you never know what you're going to find. And a lot of these people who uploaded this very bizarre material 
um, have some very strange things um, that they've compiled into a very long list of downloads that are still available to this day. Um, so basically, anything that they've found to be weird that's also good for a laugh or a shock of some kind. It's almost like Found Magazine, if you're familiar with that, only in audio form. Well, I became quite obsessed with listening to all they could offer because every now and then I would bust out laughing till tears came out because of the stuff that they would find. And seriously, there are about, like, maybe two years with uploads. Um, I think maybe every single day there were tracks uploaded, and they last anywhere from a minute to an hour. It's just this odd array of surreal songs and sounds, some of which may not be out of place in something like a, a Dr. Demento broadcast. So, really, I wanted to give you a little bit of an audio variety show today, consisting of excerpts from that project, the 365-day project. So it's going to be sort of spliced together, and of course I'm going to include a link in the show notes in case you're interested in getting addicted to all these interesting uh, bits and uh, <laughs> oddities. So you really should check this out. Check out the link if you're curious to hear more of these. Um, I'm not even sure what I've downloaded or... It, how this all started or why I've decided to put this episode together is not only just to enhance my sense of humor or um, just give you something fun and unique and different than other episodes you may have heard before from me, but um, I was going through my email archives. You know, like, I just decided to, for the heck of it, type in .mp3 in a Google search through my email, through my Gmail, and went all the way back to something like 2007 maybe and just looked at almost all my emails to see what mp3s I had attached to like friends from way back There's when. There's plenty more where that came um, from. And I just downloaded some stuff that was like, what is this? I don't even know what this is. Um, so maybe I'll throw those in there too in this mix of strange things that it's, it's almost like just uncovering a slew of buried treasures. Um, so yeah, and to top it all off, at the very end of this episode, I have an interview with A.C. Newman and Catherine Calder of The New Pornographers. And much like the the Alex Ross Perry interview, it was all too brief. And it lasted about 13 minutes. And since it was my first in-person interview face-to-face -face after their concert in Champaign, I was a bit nervous. I would love to redo it, to be honest. Uh, but I'm including that at the end, just to showcase, like, you know, not every interview is tops, but I'm still proud of the fact that this is kind of a ongoing muscle that I'm trying to flex with, uh, <laughs> or just trying to improve on, you know, over time with interviewing and hopefully getting to talk to more of my musical heroes and future directors as well. So that's going to be including or included at the very end of this episode. First and foremost here, um, as you know, and I haven't talked about this at all with anybody, including friends and family. Um, I, well, obviously, I love music just as much as film, which I bring up constantly. And it's a big incentive for the Pop Culture Club podcast, my love of music. Well, my favorite season is coming up, which I like to call either autumn or hoodie weather. And I have a surprise in store. 
I've been keeping this under wraps, but I'm not going to leave you in the dark any further on this. I am putting together, or trying to, (laughs) let's just say trying, with a lot of effort, to put together a music festival of my own, either in Chicago or Elgin. So that's exciting. I I don't know what's going to become of this. It's a huge announcement. You're going to hear more about it in detail in just a few minutes here. So, yes, either in Chicago or Elgin, at some point within the next year, year and a half, maybe there's going to be a music festival of my own that I'm in the planning stages of. And I decided to record my conversation with the Department of Parks and Recreation uh, for the uh, Chicagoland area. And it's a man by the name of Stephen Partridge. Uh, I'm excited to see if all this comes into fruition. Either this year or the next, I still have a lot more planning to do. It's a long, ongoing endeavor and process. We'll have to wait and see, but... For now, to kick things off before I invade your ears with some very peculiar sounds and songs and lost treasures from that project and my email archives, which hopefully you'll find um, endearing and interesting and um, entertaining, I want to give to you something that I haven't done before. I just sort of uh, recorded and decided, of course with permission, to... um, present here a phone conversation with the Department of Parks and Recreation. His name is Steve Partridge, and here we go with um, that conversation about my plans to start uh, a music festival to celebrate my love of music in a live setting. So, yes, here we go. Um, I may pop on a bit later, who knows, but for now, here's that interview with Steve. Hello, Steve, and uh, welcome to the show here. It's an honor to have you on to talk about uh, music festivals and the Chicagoland music community today. Uh, Sure, Jim. uh, It's odd that you requested this process to take place for your uh, little program or whatever, but... uh, I'm intrigued by your proposals, so uh, I'm game. To be honest, your proposal is pretty substantial. I haven't uh, read through it all. Can you uh, shed some light on what's in there? Yeah, I I know it's quite lengthy. It's essentially like a 373-page Google Doc that I submitted to you in regards to my idea for essentially a festival of my own that I'd like to put on in the Chicagoland area, if at all possible, and I know you're in charge of putting that together. Uh, yeah, so let's uh, see here. Uh, it, it's titled Jimapalooza. I'm not only concerned about some copyright issues, but uh, we're probably looking for something to be a little less punny and maybe a little more original. Uh, yeah, I understand. I'm... I'm I'm pathetic like that sometimes. I don't have an original bone in my body. <laughs> well, uh, you don't have to get down on yourself. This is uh, an exciting uh, proposal you have here. I see some real promise here with some of the bands for sure, so uh, don't worry about the names too much. Yet. Okay, thanks. Um, Let's yeah. see here. Uh, I'm um, 
going through this, and uh, it strikes me as uh, uh, pretty exciting. It's uh, a big show like this in the area has proven to be a real boon uh, to the local economies and stuff. So I I don't anticipate any problems getting uh, permits issued for this. So uh, this stuff's probably just formality. Let's go through and iron out some of the details. Um, I uh, can't believe you've got some of these acts that you've got listed here. It's uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm excited too. Uh, I I for one love live music. I talk about it almost as much as movies on on the podcast here, and I put a lot of time and effort in. Uh, not to mention no small amount of expense either. I'll say, how'd you how'd you land Mastodon? I'm I'm something of a a, a true hard rock buff, you know. I like Rat and Nickelback and stuff, so I've been meaning to check them out. How'd you uh, how'd you get Mastodon? Uh, yeah, it, it's Master Don. Hmm? He's Master Don. He's a solo bluegrass player who also happens to be my Kung Fu instructor. It's Master Don. I could say oh. I can get that confused. Oh, yeah. I, I, I must have misread that. Sorry. Uh, but, I mean, look at this other stuff. Lawrence in the Machine, Take No More, More Stay in the Time. I'm uh, concerned. The crowds that might be generated by this will have to... Uh, well, actually, no, it's Florence Henderson and the Machine, Faith Hill No More, Doris Day and the Time, Toenail and Earl. Hmm. Wait, wait. Are you serious? With who are those guys? Well, Florence Henderson has decided to try her hand at singing, and it turns out she's not. She's pretty good at it, actually. She sings her heart out. Um, and Faith Hill No More is really just one guy who claims to have gone out with her, and now tours singing hate songs about her so through the chorus of most of those songs it's just him screaming some variation of i hate you faith hill over and over and over again which is great um and doris day in the time it's, it's a folk dance troupe that musically describes her career um from a young starlet in hollywood to a bitter nazi supporting old recluse uh and there's toenail and earl wait 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 that now that I'm rereading this, what, it's all that. Uh, Dad will eat himself the urinal cakes. Fleetwood Big Mac. Are you, are you serious? Oh, wait. Here we go. Phil Collins. I love Phil Collins. Well, actually, it's Phil Collins with a Z at the end. Um, he's a hip-hop bluegrass player who happens to be my personal chef, and he makes a mean lentil soup. Of course he does. Uh, Jim, i got to say, this uh, lineup's not exactly impressing me so far. Um, pretty clear you might not be ready for a big-time concert uh, promotion business here. Uh, maybe you should uh-huh. get the terrible puns and movie reviews. Hmm? Uh-huh. But uh, this is a pretty long list, and uh, I feel, for some reason, strangely compelled to keep reading through these band names. Well, I appreciate that. Just try and be fair and unbiased in making this decision with the permit and all. I, I know these bands aren't U2 or Zed Leppelin or anything, but give them a chance. I listen to a lot of music, and I happen to love them all. Well, all right. To be fair, maybe what you got so far isn't exactly a home run or even a hit by pitch, if you know what I mean. 
maybe you could save things. Um, let's see. Well, well, I like acts like uh, Johnny Cash or maybe Nirvana. Any chance you could book uh, some of those? Uh, yeah. Uh, I'll be sure to look into that, man. Um, okay, yeah. I think that would do well. Uh, anyway, I I happen to love Matthew Wilder. Honestly, I, I think he should just headline and do a rendition of Ain't Nothing Gonna Break My Stride. That would be awesome. Mm. Yeah, Green Day. Oh, Green Dave, of course. Who Who is Green Dave? Well, Green Dave is a uh, punk band that does nothing but Dave Matthews covers. They're great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Billy Idol is going to be there? No, no, no. That's, that, that's actually a typo. That's a band named Billy's Idol. Kind of like Kay's Choice, but this is, this is just Billy Corgan uh, imitating Cheap Trick for an hour. So there's some draw there. You know, you got Billy uh, Corgan. No, that kind of sounds lame. Um, what else you got? Come on. Well, there's this great hip-hop group, um, you know, other than the bluegrass hip-hop player I mentioned earlier, called Arnold Palmer. It's uh, Ice-T, who would be a big draw, and DJ Lemonade. So I think, I think, they'd, I think they'd be a huge uh, hip-hop duo to um, take the stage, along with the Beach Girls, Talking Feet, Bon Joni. Um, oh, man, Bon Jovi is where it's at, man. I love... The Young Guns 2 soundtrack. No, 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 How great no, no, is that? No, Steve, that, that's Bon Joni, uh, J-O-N-I. It's it's the German it's it's the German Joni Mitchell essentially. Um, they may, in fact, actually cover the song "Bed of Roses" by Bon Jovi, but she's definitely not going to rock your socks off. She's she's a total fucker, folker. Hey, sorry. What? Lots of language, all right? Then, all right uh, sorry. My patience is getting a little thing here. I can't imagine any of these bands being a big draw or anything. This actually sounds kind of like a joke, and then I'm wasting my time. Is this like a National Lampoon skit or something no. you'd make up in your free time? No, I've been, I've been hoping to put on a festival for a while now. Well, I don't know how serious you are with a festival with bands like the Pop Sickles, the Lawrence Legs, My Funny Valentine. Mr. Holland's Opium Den? Well, if you were putting together a festival, who would you invite, Steve? I'm curious. Me? <laughs> Come on. I, I issue permits for fests all the time. I'm uh, Like, actual good ones. You know, uh, you know the Governor's Ball, the fundraising uh, concert for the Illinois State Politicians Legal Defense Fund? I do that. Oh, wow. Uh, Girl Scouts Cookie Jamboree. I issue the permits for that every year. That's where all the girls get together and spend the little points they get for selling their cookies and stuff. So I could name decent bands. Let's see here. Uh, Jethro Tull. Oh, Jethro Tull. Nice. Oh, yeah, well, it's Jethro Tull. My buddy's in this cover band, and they're kind of good. And actually, if... Uh, you include them on your bill, it usually makes the permitting process a little easier, if you know what I mean. But um, <clears throat> let's see. Good bands. Just off the top of my head, let's see. Uh, the Scorps. Radio on TV. Uh, LSD Sound System. Panic at the DMV. Easy Bottom. Wow. Five Finger Thrill. Oh, there's just endless. Man, I'm, well, 
I think you got me convinced. I mean, those bands sound way better than some of the ones I had on there, like Nine Inch Snails and Depeche Toad, Beastly Boys, Queens of Leon. I, I think I think those tribute bands sound amazing. The fact that you put the Scorps at the top of your list, <laughs> that means you're cool, really. I, I think you should take over this endeavor. Uh, I, I need to, I need to practice up on this a little bit more and do some research. Clearly, I mean you you know what you're doing. The Scorps well, are amazing. Yeah, the Scorps should have their own yeah, festival. Yeah. yeah, agreed, agreed. Well, thanks for considering my idea, though. I I mean I know it was a daunting read with that uh, that 373 page Google Doc. Oh, I'm going to get right on reading the rest of that, Jim. Yeah, you oh. you bet. Yeah. Well, I mean, hopefully once my podcast following becomes big enough. Maybe I can just kickstart and fund my own Jim Apalooza. I just want to have my own Shudder to Think reunion, really. Never heard of them. Uh, listen, oh. uh, I'm going to wrap things up here. Uh, the other line's ringing. I've got to be honest, the hankering to listen to some Young Guns 2 soundtrack. You know what I mean? Uh, a bit of advice. I don't know if you should be trying to pull this off yet. Uh, maybe you should start a little smaller. Okay. Backyard barbecue or something, you know that might be more your speed. So uh, best of luck. Hey, uh, uh, when does this little uh, radio program of yours air? I want to tune in. Well, just keep listening to the internet. I'm sure you can find it there. Uh, thanks awesome. so much, Steve. I really appreciate you uh, coming on the show here. All the best, and th- and thanks for thanks for taking my call here. Yeah, good luck. I'll let you know about the status of your permit. All right. Thanks. Uh, bye bye. So in other words, I'd start half a second late. Don't you think you really want to say July over the snow? Isn't that the fun of it? It's it, if, you can, if you can make it almost when that shot disappears, it'll make my... I think it's so nice that, that you see a snow-covered field and say every July peas grow there. We know a remote farm in Lincolnshire where Mrs. Buckley lives. Every July peas grow there. We aren't even in the fields, you see. Yeah, we aren't. We're talking about them growing and she's picked them. Yeah. <coughs> what? In July. 
I don't understand you, then. When must... What must be over for July? Um, when we get out of that snowy field. When I was out, we were onto a can of peas, a big dish of peas, when I said in July. Oh, I'm sorry. Mr. Yes, always. I'm always past that. You are? Yes. Well, that's about where I say in July. Can you emphasize a bit in? In July. Why? That doesn't make any sense. Sorry. Um, There's no known way of saying an English sentence in which you begin a sentence with in and emphasize it. Get me a jury and show me how you can say in July and I'll go down on you. That's just idiotic if you'll forgive me by saying so. That's just stupid. In July. I'd love to know how you emphasize in and in July. Impossible. Meaningless. I think all they were thinking about was that they didn't want to... He isn't thinking. Well, can coming just to one last... Yeah. Point, and it was my fault. I, should, I said in July, if you can leave every July... You didn't say it. He said it. Your friend. Every July? No, you don't really mean every July. But that's a that's bad copy. It's in July. Of course it's every July. There's too much directing around here. Norway. Fish fingers, no, Findus, Norway. We know a certain fjord in Norway, near where the cod gather in great shoals. There, Janste Stangeland. Shit. A fraction more on, the, on that shoals thing, because you roll it around very nicely. Yeah, roll it around, and I have no more time. You don't know what I'm up against. Because it's full of, of, of things that are only correct because they're grammatical, but they're tough on the ear. You see, this is a very wearying one. It's unpleasant to read. Unrewarding. Because Findus freeze the cod at sea and then add a crumb-crisp, cool, crumb-crisp coating. Ah, that's tough, crumb-crisp coating. I think, no, because of the way it's written, you need to break it up because it's not, it's not as conversationally written. What? Take crumb Fish out. Away. Take crumb out. Good. Here under protest is beef burgers. We know a little place in the American Far West where Charlie Briggs chops up the finest prairie-fed beef and tastes... This is a lot of shit, you know that. You want one more? Yes. More on the what beef? You, you missed the first beef, actually, completely. What do you mean, missed it? You're emphasizing prairie-fed. But you can't emphasize beef. That's like he's wanting me to emphasize in before July. Come on, fellas, you're losing your heads. I wouldn't direct any living actor like this in Shakespeare. Well, you do this. It's impossible. Orson, you did six last year, and by far and away the best, and I know the, the reason. The right reading for this is the one I'm giving it. At the moment. I spent 20 times more for you people than any other commercial I've ever made. You are such pests. Now, what is it you want no, I think in your depths of your ignorance? What is it you want? Whatever it is you want, I can't deliver because I just don't see it. That was absolutely fine. It really was. You, you, no money is worth it. Police said the mother of an elementary school student drank a 40-ounce bottle of malt liquor before brandishing a sword in her child's school. The woman, 32, apparently intended to confront the parents of another child who had been in a spitting match with her child the previous day. According to court records, an employee at Riverview Elementary School in Memphis reported a drunk woman, armed with a sword, was running through the halls of the school and had threatened to cut her. 
Officers who arrived on the scene retrieved a black cane that concealed the blade. The woman was charged with aggravated assault and having a weapon on school property. You know what nuts stands for in UTS? Never underestimate the spirit. That's abuseism. Wow. And that's why it's okay to be nuts. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Film Junk Podcast. This is episode number 234. Did you hear about the old man on the scooter? I did hear about that. And then that, like, cut to that, to just me and someone else, I think it was Roman or something, standing there talking to these mafia men and asking, like, what's going on here? And and he turns and shoots Roman in the head, (laughs) and it's a a paintball. (laughs) And I'm like, oh... The casing is so that you can't tell whether or not the gun is real. That's pretty crazy. But do you like T.I.? I like the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> yes, so do I. Now we have something else in common. Yeah. Well, what are you guys' thoughts on 
Guy Ritchie directing a Lobo movie. I don't think it'll ever happen. Really? Yeah. Take it with a grain of salt. All right, so I guess we should get into our reviews since we've got a lot to talk about here. Um, let's start with, uh, let's just go in order of what we saw. We'll start with um, Mike Judge's extract. I think I laughed maybe twice. Um, I don't know what that means for Mike Judge. Uh, time to go back to Beavis and Butthead, I guess. Yeah, the only good, I think, people in the film were Ben Affleck and J.K. Rowling. I'll give it two out of four stars. I'll give it a two. I'll give it a uh, 1.5. So next up, um, we're going to be talking about Gamer. I do feel you, my giant brother. What in this rock, baby. You know what? Let's make a fucking movie. We'll have a party while we do it. We'll roller rollerblade around with our cameras all day long <laughs> and just shoot girls in bikinis and shit, and it's going to be fucking fun. This is like something that it's like doing a Y2K film or something. <laughs> no, no, but it was bad. Zero. I'll give it a one. Half star out of four. And the roller coaster ride continues. People are starting to see how our nine hour driving <laughs> session went. Um, yeah, this was probably the most self-indulgent and pretentious piece of garbage I've ever watched. That's kind of what it felt like to me. They're screaming, fuck, 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 fuck. Where's my fucking dinner, you bitch? And the mom's like, shut the fuck up! Fuck, fuck, fuck. Slamming the steering wheel over and over. And it's just the guy like, fuck, fuck, fuck. For like a minute and a half. The best uh, confrontation was the one between Malcolm McDowell and Weird Al Yankovic. Mm -hmm. I was like, the only good thing about the movie is Weird Al's... Fuck! 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 Like, it's so uninspired. It's it's well, such it, a... It, you know, I like poutine. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's it's not... You, you'd be like, oh, God, I'm fucked! I'm fucked! Like, your whole life is over. So, stars? I'll give that a one as well. Weird Al gets a star. I'll give this one a zero. That was my stomach. That was a good Alex, rumble. Are you going? Can I go first? <laughs> Ouch. Because I don't want to take a piss in the bathroom that you're going to have explosive diarrhea in. <laughs> that happens when you're hungry. So. <laughs> so, okay, well, I guess that's uh, bringing us to the end of the show. Um. The librarian laid lovingly on the lawman's cock. <laughs> so look at me now. Do you think I know the game? I've been through it and I reinvented it. Well, at least that's what I claim. you get too close before and I can't take another hit not that you'd ever harm but emotions run so strong and if I 
let them show How would I ever know when you were ready to move on And this I learned from you There's a little bit, a little bit of everything Of everything Chasing daffodils, we've been climbing up that ivory tower, and all the wreckage that I see was somehow brought about by me. And I'll forget the pain, but not the vulnerability. Don't walk in the way. Don't walk in the door Just stand at the gate and wait to be adored And what if I do? Would you use it again? Would you run away from me having captured? probably wondering what that was that was Nahedar um, with a song called I Learned From You this is the project of one of the most talented singer-songwriters I've ever come across named Amelia Cataldo um, I'm not sure if her name's changed because I believe she's now married with a kid but uh, back in 2007 I want to say is when um, I was working freelance in Chicago uh, recording anyone who responded to my Craigslist ads. Hey, home uh, musician will record your record, make it sound professional, blah, 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 blah. Um, there's a whole story behind this schizophrenic individual that uh, recorded with me that I'll save for another time. But um, suffice to say, Amelia had one of the best voices I'd ever come across, and she blew me away continues to put out records to this day. I believe she's on Bandcamp, but go to nahedar.com. That's N-E-H-E-D-A-R.com. And the reason why I played that particular song is because I produced it. Um, I produced, I believe, three or four songs on her album Dreamlike. 
So, um, yeah, that was, it was something. Her, her father came in and played saxophone. Um, we had a blast. We had a great time. We hit it off and, um, we support each other still. So we're trying our best to keep in touch, but it's not easy these days. And I, uh, I wanted to play that just because I came across it in my Gmail archives. And I was like, oh my gosh, I forgot about how great, uh, this record and artist was. I believe I even played a house show with her and, uh, Aaron Vogel at one point. Um, so yeah, that was something. That was a, a real treat. I wanted to break up all the goofiness. The before that, um, you heard this weird thing. I did a film junk, um, like an edited condensed episode where I pretty much took a two and a half hour podcast and condensed it into like two and a half minutes. And then I th- I can't recall exactly what I played. It's random three hundred sixty five day stuff, but. You probably heard uh, a German guy singing about hamburgers and um, a Central High School cafeteria band, um, a Gary Busey clip, me reading a uh, news story about a drunk mom, Orson Welles uh, reading about frozen peas, and the Where's the Beef Lady song. I have no idea how these things came into fruition, but they exist. At the 365 Days Project, which is linked in the show notes, go there to find all this weird, insane stuff, if you like, uh, well, if, if your sense of humor is like mine, anyway. Um, but there's actual legitimately interesting things, not just weird, goofy, funny stuff, so. Uh, I'm going to play a couple more, and then it's on to the uh, new pornographer interview, as promised, um, to end things out. So, yeah. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Um... I'll probably just come back at the very end with all the uh, particulars for the outro. So, here we go with some more weird things that I found. Rose above the noise and confusion Just to get a glimpse beyond the illusion I was soaring never higher But I flew too high Though my eyes could see I still was a blind man through my mind could think I still was a madman Hear the voices and the dreaming I can hear them say Carry on my wayward son There'll be peace when you are done Say you're weary, head to rest Don't you cry no more Masquerading as a man with a reason My charade is an event of the season And if I claim to be a wise man It surely means that I don't know On a stormy sea of moving emotion Tossed about I'm like a ship on the ocean I set a course for winds of fortune But but I hear the voices say Carry on my wayward son There'll be peace when you are done Lay your weary head to rest Don't you cry no more 
there comes a time in every life when a voice calls out to you to leave the past behind you and seek a life that's new beyond the blue horizon lies a journey not too far the two of us to seek a distant star we could sail a million oceans and leave upon the tide just put your arms around me and I will be your guide such happiness together to love you as you are together so quiet and humble a child beside her bed her hands clasped tightly it's time to pray so she bows her little head happy birthday Jesus mama said that you was near and that you had a birthday this time every year She told me how you listen to every word we say and that you hear us calling in the night or in the day. She explains how bad they hurt you, those awful naughty men, but said you let them do it for girls like me what then. She said about the manger they took and put you in. I'd let you have my blanket if I was here back then. She said that you are watching everything we do. Her and Daddy and Granny and our new baby too. I like when Mama told me of how you healed the lame and that they didn't have to have any wealth or fame. She told she was so awful good and then she made me cry. She said they nailed you to the cross. They wanted you to die. She said that you forgave them cause you was dying for our sin. And then it made me happy when she said you came back again. Mama said that Christmas is what we celebrate because on that day you was born. So I hope I'm not too late to wish you happy birthday. Dear Jesus, I'll be true cause Mama said if I was good, You'd let me live with you. From north, south, east, west, get yourself a ticket for a once upon a tour. Let's move across the land to meet the swinging, singing man, Mr. Phil Harris. The happy now sound of Frank Sinatra Jr. A gold record, a boy and his guitar, Oliver. That copycat, 
the human carbon copy, the impressionable Rich Little. The man with a mobile face that stops all traffic, Ben Blue. That hunk of happiness, Rosie Greer. And introducing Miss Dora Hall. I can see by the look on your face that you've got ringworm. I'm very sorry, but I have to tell you that you've got ringworm. It's a very common disease. Actually, you're very lucky to have ringworm because you may have had something else. favorite bands. In fact, uh, um, I, I, I revealed to, to them that uh, my favorite song of all time is uh, from one of my favorite records that they've done, Mass Romantic, and um, the song I'm speaking of is Letter from an Occupant. And I feel like that record should have garnered them all the success and acclaim that a band like Big Star garnered, because uh, I just think it's track for track one of the best pop records of all time. Um, so, yeah, I'm just really excited due to the great reception they've received here and um, after their show here in Champaign. Um, and uh, just going to talk a little bit more about what's the band been up to. And, uh, yeah. So I'm sure you guys are, are incredibly pleased with the... Uh, reception that you got here today yeah it's, it's more uh, it's more a great reception and in Canada particularly we've uh, gotten more radio than we've ever gotten on anything else before so that's cool sure we never expect to be on the radio that that, that surprises me because 
like I said at the top, you're responsible for some of the best indie pop or indie power pop music ever recorded. It feels like a long time coming for you to receive some of the universal acclaimed that uh, you've long deserved. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know. You know, this uh, new record, The um, Brill Bruisers, is easily one of your best. I-, I was going back through the discography, and clearly you have this consistent sound, but it also sounds uh, ever-changing and evolving in form, sometimes with within a song itself. And it kind of amazes me how effortless it comes across, especially uh, with the harmonies. That's the, that's the hope, you know. I, I, I mean, personally, I feel like I'm... I'm always learning. Sure, sure. I mean, did you learn anything new in particular from recording this new album um, in terms of how you shape the sound? Or what was the experience like? What did you uh, gain um, from the experience of recording this particular record? I don't know. It's, um, I know we must have learned something, but it's just... <laughs> So much of it is winging it. So much of it is just like putting your head down and working, and and when you hit it, you go, yes, that's it. And I don't really go in. We go into it with the vaguest, just the vaguest idea. Like, let's sound like that Sig Sig Sputnik song, or let's sound like Xanadu, or let's sound like Johnny and Mary by Robert Palmer. Yeah. And then other than that... Th- that they're just vague. Those are just like vague touchstones, and we're never even trying that hard to sound like that. We just—that's just currently what we're into. It's just a song we're currently obsessed with, and we we just we just start going. Uh, so I I don't know what I've learned, but I hope I've learned something. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like it. I mean, you do say that you kind of wing it, but what is the ex- the experience of recording in a studio? Is it more instinctual and organic? Like, are you just instantly happy with a first take? Like, that's what you want? You want the rawness to come through? Or do you have to do a series of recordings and takes for you to be happy? Um, Just curious to know more about the actual um, process of going into a studio, sitting down and recording a song. Sometimes um, a song locks in immediately. Um, A lot of the time, you know, you, you start playing it, you think, this is okay, but... You know, you're looking for that pixie dust because you just didn't find a specific voice you wanted. But it's, um, yeah, it's like I said, it's very, it's very much winging it. I wish there, I wish there was a formula. If I could find the formula, I would put out like five albums a year. I would be spewing this stuff out. Yeah, but then again, it might ruin the magic of the new pornographers and what they've ultimately uh, become. It might, but maybe it'd be more popular. <laughs> I need the formula. So, you know, you're in a better place and kind of less analytical about, you know, the sound or style of what the new pornographers are. It's become something all its own. And with Brill Bruisers, it sounds that it's exactly what you intended, what you want the band to be. Uh, Does it come across that way overall to you? Are you ultimately satisfied? Um, I, I feel like we hit, on this record, we hit something closer to what I've always wanted this to sound like. I think it's pretty close, but at the same time, uh, I feel I feel really good about this record. But and it was fun to make, and it just makes me want to make another one. Yeah, you know, it just makes me think like this. 
this record came off really well, so I should do another one. <laughs> you know, maybe I can do it again. Yeah. Does that mean you're already in the mindset of what the next record is going to be, or is it too soon? No, <laughs> I've been writing a lot of songs, but I mean, we'll see. I, I want to try. I want to try and start demoing songs. And there's still songs from this record that we haven't finished that I wouldn't mind finishing or reworking just for like an EP because they're you can always do stuff you exactly. know you can always do more stuff yeah uh, it's and th- and there are songs that because they were from these sessions I would never want to push them to the next record because maybe nobody else feels that way but to me I feel like no this song is from this time so it should come should come out at the same time do you always think of the plans that kind of accompany a record that you sort of have to think about like graphic design artwork a concept uh of course a tour um i'm also a huge fan of your music videos particularly the one directed by um sharpling is there some of that we can look forward to yeah i don't i don't know if there's gonna be any more i hope there's more videos it's fun to make videos unfortunately they're not the cheapest thing to make no <laughs> so hopefully the we can get some more grants to do another one or find somebody who will make a video very cheaply um yeah, well, I mean, we have a lot. Of, we have our touring pretty much booked through the end of the year. I mean, we're we're just doing festivals for the next couple months. And beginning of October, we start our main tour, and that's for about six weeks or something. That ends at the end of November, and we're um, the first ten days of December. We're going to Europe, and then yeah, we get back and we might do some more touring in January. I don't know. I just want to get. I just want to get through that. Yeah. We'll see. I, I, have, I have a. I have a strange relationship with touring, and it's a great thing to do, and uh, and I love it. But you know, I currently don't want to be away from home that much. A kid. And I don't don't want to be. He's two and a half. And I don't want to be the absentee father. There's a good balance. I think you can strike. You know, you can be a bit. Mm-hmm. When the band is in the position that we are, you can be a bit choosier about what you want to do and what you don't want to do and boundaries. You know, I think when you're a younger band, you kind of just have to take every opportunity. Yeah. Or at least that's how you feel. You're young, you have a lot of energy, you don't care if you're away from home, it doesn't matter. There's no significant others to, to kind of work around or, you know, it's more. It's a little bit more free. Um I don't know what my point is, except that it's good. <laughs> Maybe it's conducive to, more conducive to family lifestyle. Well, I don't know. Well, one great thing is, it's like uh, the the good and bad side of it is like when when I'm there, when I'm not there, I'm not there at all. Yeah. You know, but when I'm there, I'm absolutely there. Mm-hmm. So it's nice that, you know, the, you know, so far, it's like for the first two and a half years of his life, I've been there like most of the time. And I think I'm, I'm lucky that, like, you know, I guess a lot of kids don't have their parents there, like, you know, nearly full time for them. So that's that's been nice. And that's been part of being a musician. So now so now I'm approaching on, like, the other side of it where, like, yeah, I have to leave you for, you know, five or six weeks. Right. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. There's a lot to think about when it comes to prioritizing. Um, yeah, so the band has been around since, obviously, the 90s, and over time, 
I imagine it's it's got to be difficult to keep that uh, magic alive and flourishing. I mean, so many bands struggle with the touring process and the responsibilities, like you mentioned. I'm curious if you foresee this band as something you see yourself doing years down the road. Um, in other words, well, I have a lot to look forward to from you guys for a while so you can keep the band going. You know, I think it will. I mean, mainly because I personally, I just, I just love, like, it's just like a plat. It's just this amazing platform. Like, I, like I want to make music, and like I've been blessed with this amazing platform where like I can make music, and like people want to hear it. And it's it's and it's even like going. I'm sort of known as a solo artist, but a lot less so. You know, <laughs> like I can take the same song, and it's worth so much more. It's a new pornographer song that it is one of my solo songs, which maybe doesn't. <laughs> I think it sounds way too pragmatic, but and and I feel like this band has always been sort of part time. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I could even see at some point the band just eventually morphing into a studio project where we just don't play that much. Not that different from what it is right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's fine. I mean, obviously, being a super group of sorts, you gotta schedules have to align and. I imagine it's got to be somewhat easier to spend time apart and you're not always in each other's faces. You can go off and do other side projects and um, you know do solo projects and things like that. So you're not necessarily inundated with each other 24-7. I, I imagine the time uh, away from this particular band is healthy and helpful, so you're not always thinking about it and you can give it time to settle as well. Um, I hope that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I think there might be something to that. Yeah, and, and yeah, we, we have a lot of time apart, so it's like, it's not a, you know, it's not that weird thing when you can't stand each other. Or like, I, I think there's a lot of bands that are just like pretending to like each other. You know, for public, and we absolutely love each other. <laughs> and you can't make a record like that. You can't make a record. You can try to do it, but it will always come across that there's something. And maybe, and maybe like there's the occasional record that where that happened and it was a great thing. But I find that I find it hard to believe because I, I mean it, it must be rare because like, you know you need to be in close quarters. You can't be fighting. It's distracting. You know if you're if you're having arguments with people all the yeah. time or there's a lot of tension, it's just distracting. So how can you possibly focus on what's going on in the music and how could anybody have an honest opinion or an honest relationship with the music when there's all this other nonsense going on? So that's not, that's luckily, <laughs> luckily not, not what's going on. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, I know our time is limited here. Um, you guys put on a great show. Thanks so much for being on the Pop Culture Club podcast. Um, I love your new record and I can't wait for more. Thanks, guys. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the Pop Culture Club podcast. 
uh, the little variety show I put together here. Um, the next official episode will be a director-centric episode with the great Bill Ackerman. Um, in about a week, we're going to be discussing Paul Schrader, so stay tuned for that. Really excited. Hopefully got a couple more um, great interviews lined up. A couple publicists contacted me, so let's see what happens. I'm excited. We'll see. Um, yeah, you please do visit directorsclubpodcast.com as well as popcultureclubpodcast.com. Send me an email at directorsclubpodcast at gmail.com. Visit me at Twitter, Instant Gym, as well as Letterboxd, where I rate movies but usually don't have time to review them. Instant Gym, Instant Gym. Okay, thanks everybody for listening, and we'll see you in about a week or so for that Paul Schrader episode. Have a great week, and goodbye. You know what nuts stands for in UTS? Never underestimate the spirit. That's abuseism. Wow. And that's why it's okay to be nuts.